You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message.
that. So I want to share those two things with you for those of you who uh, are trying to figure out some, you know, coming out just as far as going in. It's just, it's just different, right? <laughs> I want you to do your own work. Uh, that we do your life matters to all of us. It never, it's never mattered more than it does right now. And I want to be with you and for you as long as I do and hope everybody else is part of this as well. So um, I want to ask a question. So, even so, even though I hadn't yet been filled with the Spirit, there was a 
this is the image that I want you to have, these letters. When we open the Bible for this series and look at the little letters in the back of the New Testament, we're going to dig around those, those little letters that we don't usually pay much attention to. And Titus, and Philemon, written by Paul, Jude, Letters that they got from Peter and John, all written by leaders of the early Christian movement, leaders who matured in their faiths and who were committed to shaping this new movement around the values of God, love and holiness, community and accountability, grace and truth. And so, the, the first two letters that we're looking at, Titus and Philemon, were written by Paul to individual people. So they're letters just like these. Letters to people trying to figure out how to be a spiritual leader. And when you read Titus, for instance, you can start to feel the brilliance, the, the compassion and creativity of the Bible as a whole. So I want you to think of this book. These are all letters written to individuals. I want you to think of this book, this whole book, as a library. And, and, and like a, more like a bookstore. It's got sections in it. And there's a section the back of the New Testament called letters. Some written by Paul, some written by other leaders of the church. And we, we, we find in these letters, some, some things are very local, some are very personal, and some are even uh, time-bound. And they matter to us because they are a witness. They're a prophetic sign. These are spiritual leaders speaking into a church that is standing fiercely against a culture that wasn't theirs, which makes it a gift to us. We get to see firsthand what it means to form people around the gospel. It is a good word for us. Well, time as we come out of this pandemic season and try to figure out how to form ourselves freshly around this gospel. How to stand in a world crying out, crying out for an alternative culture. So let's jump into Titus. Titus is probably that book in your Bible that the pages are still stuck together, you know? So find, if you don't know where it is, find Revelation, the very last book in the Bible. Uh, when you get to the front of Revelation, you're going to find two or three books before that, the first, second, third John, first, second Peter, James. Uh, when you get to Hebrews, you're almost there. Go to the first page of Hebrews, flip back one or two pages, and you found Titus. The only thing between Titus and Hebrews is the book of Philemon, which is not even a page long. So the letter to Titus, that's where we're going to be, written to, written by Paul to Titus. Sounds like he was, that, that Titus was brought to faith in Christ through Paul's ministry, and then he became a very useful part of Paul's missionary journeys. Paul left Titus in Crete um, after he established the believers there, and he wanted Titus to raise up leaders in all the towns, the little towns in this region called Crete. That's what this letter is about. So Titus began as a spiritual son to Paul, but you have the sense that he ended up as a partner. Here was a man when the church in Jerusalem didn't, uh, didn't like or didn't trust Paul, Titus stood by him. When Paul was up against opposition and in jail, Titus was there. When the Corinthian church was falling apart around the edges, Paul sent Titus with that letter bomb to the people of Corinth. Get a sense that maybe this was a guy with quiet strength who was loyal to the one who raised him up in the faith. And that's why when we read this letter, I think we need to 
there's a closeness between Titus and Paul. There's a partnership, a lot of trust between them. And they talk about the, the challenges of this mission field they've established in Crete. And there's a lot in this short letter. Paul has packed it, I mean, packed it with wisdom. And we won't get to all of it, but I want to share a few things that stand out for me that I, I think speak to us specifically in this, in this church. So I want you to start with chapter 1, verse 5. And we, we know that we are supposed to be smiling because it's such a sweet word. Titus, in verse 4, to Titus, my true son. My true son. That's just a great blessing. Then he says, verse 5, the reason I left you in Crete, which is sort of like saying the reason I left you in Vegas, because Crete was kind of a wreck of a place. Believe us. But the reason I left you here. You see, you might put in order what was left unfinished. We got, we got, it, we got the ball rolling, but there's a lot of work to do. And, and to appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife. I want you to underline that. We're going to come back to that phrase. A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, He's got to be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. You can almost hear him laughing at this part, like, try to find one of those in Vegas. <laughs> Rather, he must be hospitable. He's got to be one of my people in his house. What he loves, what is good, circle that. We had to boil all of types down to one word that way. self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. You must hold fir- firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. That's a lot. Titus was left in Crete, Crete, to raise up leaders. And here Paul is encouraging him to care for the kind of leaders that you leave in charge. Because I'm telling you, if you get people in charge who aren't ready to be leaders, they'll just come back to bite you. Last time I was in India, it's been seven years ago, I had a prophetic moment around this whole idea of eldership. And I wish to hear too. Sometimes Paul will use elder, and sometimes he uses the word overseer. They're kind of, they're kind of interchangeable in Paul's uh, theology. I had this prophetic moment around eldership. Happened one day, our team was doing some spiritual work just inside the team. And I had them make a prayer, just that started with the words, make me. Make me empty, or make me patient, or make me whole, or whatever came to them. They were, gonna, they were to express their spiritual need by with a prayer that begins with those two words. It was powerful time. And we went around the circle sharing the prayer, and everybody seemed to have a strong sense of what their need was in that prayer. When it came to my turn, I was surprised by what came out. I said, make me an elder. And then I just burst into tears. I heard myself say, just all I ever wanted. And I was just like bawling with this that's all I ever want. I want, to, I want the kind of character Christ can use to raise up the next generation. And I want to lead others spiritually, not just organizationally. And I want to make disciples who make disciples. Make me an elder, God. 
took the thoughts inside this passage of Titus when you used to finish that prayer or make me blameless, make me less of a verbatim. Jesus, make me even tempered. Make me sober. Holy Spirit, make me honest, hospitable, self-controlled, upright, holy. personal longings for grows. So we really start to listen, you know, and we may not even realize that some of those deep longings for personal growth lead us toward the character of a spiritual being. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.16, outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day, and friends, that is the spiritual work of an elder, to be renewed, to be shaped and formed by raising up another generation. Paul goes further, verse 9. He says, an elder must hold firmly to the message that is as it has been taught. I like the way he says that. You have to hold firmly to the message as it has been taught. You don't get to make up your own message. So he can encourage others by sound and doctrine. Interesting that Paul starts with character and ends with creed. Listen, I gotta tell you, I suspect that creed without character may well be our worst enemy. Nothing will make a person hard hearted quicker than having creed without character. One without the other creates a kind of internal disagreement that is practically intolerant. So when you say you believe all these things, but then you don't live them, that hurts the movement, it hurts the people around you, it hurts everyone. Isn't that what made Jesus' life so irresistible? He had the audacity to actually live what he believed constantly. It's why he rode into Jerusalem that last week before he was crucified on a donkey, not a BMW. It was because he got it that the message he bore was not a kind of spiritual cafeteria plan. He could not pick and choose what he would live to embrace a theology of humility and holiness and to preach it with any kind of power. He knew it had to be, had to sink down into every nook and cranny of his life. Lord, not just the words of my mouth, but the meditations of my heart. That's our calling. I want you to listen to this. Nothing will cause the demons of this world to lose their power more quickly than consistency of creed and character. Nothing will cause the demons of this world to lose their power more quickly than consistency of creed and character. Early church knew the value of this as a powerful force of the spread of the good news about the Messiah, consistency of creed and character. And you don't even have to understand that phrase to begin living into it with the prayer. Make me, Lord, make me, and then listen to what bubbles up. So I've mentioned a couple of times that we need to read Titus while smiling, and here's why. So I think it would be easy to read just this little section that we started with, just that little section. It's pressure. 
I think it would be easy to, like, if these are our expectations, I'm sorry, who can live, who can live up to blameless? And it's true, Paul sets a high bar here, but don't read this as Paul telling us we're not good enough. Read this as Paul teaching Titus how to give people grace and space to become leaders before they are pressed into leadership. Does that make sense? This is Paul saying, listen, the husband's having trouble being faithful to his wife. If he's struggling with the rebellion of his own kids, then for goodness sake, don't pile on the burden of responsibility for a whole community when he's already in over his head and doing everything he can just to make it through his day. I read this as mercy, not judgment. Lives can be ruined when we put people in places they don't have bandwidth for. He believed in his book called Truth, Truth Therapy, which I highly recommend. says something that is so important to spiritual leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ. He writes, gift-based ministry is needed. And gift-based sanctification Gift-based ministry is needed, but gift-based sanctification is disastrous. It's the person who rides on their skills and their gifts, and they let that do the work for them of, of, coming, of, of becoming a Christian without going deep into themselves beyond their gifts to know Jesus and to let Jesus know them. It's painful watching Peter. I'm certain to surf through on that guest. It is painful watching Peter. My first district superintendent lost his job because he had a bad habit of exposing himself to public works. And I've had colleagues who have had affairs. I'm talking about pastors. Pastors who have had drinking problems and issues with money. Several whose inner turmoil has led them to take their own lives, not because they didn't believe in Jesus, but because somewhere along the way, the creed and catechism got disconnected, and they got it over their head, and they didn't know how to get out, and there was no one near enough to them at the point of their brokenness who could say, you need to step Who are less ready don't get placed into 
us already know which category we fall in. I'm in the, I'm ready, just haven't done it yet, or I'm in the, probably don't need to step up yet category. And if you're not sure, try starting with that prayer. Make me. What is your heart cry to reveal about where you are? So can I chase another rabbit before we move on? Back to that line that I had you, that phrase that I had you write on. Faithful, the elder must be blameless. Faithful to his wife. Faithful to his wife. That phrase, faithful to his wife. The, the idea that also shows up in Paul's letter to Timothy, where he says that a bishop or an overseer should be the husband of one wife. There's a lot of commentary out there on what this means. Does it mean that a man should only have one life, wife, or lifetime and he's going to be in leadership and he can't be divorced, does it mean he should not engage in polygamy, something that was uh, more prevalent in the first century and is becoming prevalent again in the 21st century, that leaders should be married? I'll tell you what I think Paul is saying. I think Paul is telling us that a leader should be faithful to his spouse. Is that simple? should be loyal and servant-minded and faithful to the person he has made a covenant to be faithful to. Because if you can't be faithful to your spouse, then you probably don't have much witness when it talks about being faithful to God. That's what I think it means. But you know how this phrase is often used? It's often used as a two-by-four against women in ministry. That one and the one in Timothy. People will say, well, they can't be the husband can't be faithful to his wife. So here's one more reason why the Bible says women can't be spiritual leaders. I hear that often in the uh, in the apologetic defense of leadership. I've heard it many times. I bring it up today because I have been recently deeply moved by a couple of profound moments. I want to share them with you. So keep fresh out A couple of weeks ago, our epic student ministry had an open mic night, and they invited me. And I got to talk to these great kids for about an hour about all kinds of things. I found out that several in our group have never been to any other church except the one that they, they said this one. Except this one. So they, they've, never, they've never been to another church ever, and this, this is the only option they know as far as leadership is concerned. So, Asked lots of questions. Before the end of our top conversations, I said, Taylor, say one more question, one more question. And this one student asked, Has anyone ever questioned your mom? Because I'm a The leaders in the room did that. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> Even some of the kids laughed because, yes, it gets mentioned. The student with the question seemed almost relieved, like she was worried nobody would mention it to me. Or like it wasn't right to ask. Of course it was. We had a great conversation about it. This is a solid, solid young woman who has come to Christ since coming to Missouri. And while she's been here, she's had the experience of someone in her life coming to her and telling her, maybe she didn't need to be going to our church because the pastor's wrong. Going to our church, the place where she first heard the gospel and accepted Jesus Christ as her 
know this present generation is dealing with so many geopolitical issues. So many. We have so much work to do. Well, I just want to say that the issue of female pastors, child support, is in that bucket. But in that conversation, I was made freshly aware that not only these kids, the kids of our youth group, but probably most of the people in this room have had to fight against either an internal battle or an external battle just to be here because they have to be here. I am humbled by that. I gotta tell you, that moment humbled me. Because after all, this is not likely your hill to die on. So I just want to say to you that because of that bold and good question by a student who is also exploring what it might be like for her to be a leader one day. I am freshly aware of the gift you give me personally and the gift you're giving her today by being present. I'm trusting the leadership of this church. Your being here in this room with her right now gives her permission to explore her own calling. You hear how privilege to serve as a leader of women. My privilege. And this conversation right now, I want you to hear. You tell me thank you lots of times, and you you encourage me lots of times. Today, this is about you. I want to say thank you. I'm grateful. I'm humbled that you fight, whatever it is you fight, to be here. I also realize I probably need to better what you need in order to talk biblically with those people who don't quite get this thing we have going here. So I'm going to start with the students. Taylor and I have already talked, and we're going to set up a time for me to go back and share with them how women's leadership works biblically. Because that's important. So we're not just doing this because, you know, more power to women. It's, no, it's, it's, this is a biblical uh, issue. I also want to have the opportunity to do that with you um, at another time because I want to be built in the church. I want to see the next generation, men and women, raised up to preach this biblical gospel. So now this next part is really, really special. I have to tell you what happened next. It's really humbled by that conversation we can have with, with our students. Um, I'm also writing a book, and I'm probably going to say it every second. What happens when you lead? So it's kind of going past the biblical uh, apologetics. Here's what happens when women lead, and we need to understand what that is at that moment in time. And I sent three chapters of the book to uh, Ben Whittington, who is a scholar whose PhD work was on uh, women in the Bible. That was the way his dissertation was written on, so he's the guy I read my work. He sent it back to me. And next to the line in my manuscript, it says, I always thought I was going to be the female Andy Stanley, that, and that failure wasn't an option. Next to that line, um, he, he had a note. And the note was, so now I have to ask you, what part of red state, deep south, small town, don't you understand? 
scales fell. Something happened. And I saw it for the first time. Like, I'm never going to get my dream. I'm never going to get my dream. I'm never going to get my dream. It's always going to be uphill for me. especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they're disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not teach. And that for the sake of that, for the sake of dishonest gain, one of Cretan's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And then Paul says of this Cretan prophet, and I know, Josh, that you get it. Nobody else in the room probably gets it, but you get it. He says, that saying is true. <laughs> a Cretan prophet saying, Cretans are always liars, just said something true. Which is to say, God can make something good out of anything. 
Paul's a lot of a man. He's also full of grace. He doesn't say, these guys are a wreck, keep your distance. Paul says, listen, Titus, your job is to raise up elders where you've been planted. And I know what you're working with. You're working with greedies, liars, evil brutes, gluttons. But guess what? Leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ aren't some other breed of person manufactured in a bubble. Followers of Jesus who become leaders in our movement, they come from Crete. <laughs> they come from the same place that produces liars and lazy gluttons, which means we have no shortage of potential in Augusta, Georgia. In fact, elders are very likely to be recovering liars, recovering gluttons, and recovering and rebels. Amen, I'll find myself. Paul says that's us too. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. He says, we, at, this, at one time we also, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating each other. But when the kindness and love of God and Savior, uh, the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by this grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. God saved us, not because of righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. That's what Jesus does to people. This is what this community forms. It forms elders out of rebels, spiritually disciplined parents out of gluttons, spiritual friends out of liars, leaders out of foolish, disobedient, and deceived people. He makes love experts out of people who have been hated, Recognizes goodness, 
day, the manager of that Diablos posted this online. Our burritos are such a smash hit, we've got people breaking in at 4 a.m. for their fix. So if you see our door looking hurricane fabulous at Wheeler Road, this is why. To the would-be robber who is clearly struggling with life decisions or having money issues, please swing by for a job application. There are better opportunities out there than this path you've chosen. No police, no questions. Let's sit down and talk about how we can help you and fix the road. the whole thing went viral. I know about it. Not because it's local news, but because it was on Today Show. They posted a story, and a back, the backstory call said, you know, I kind of looked at it from the robber's perspective of, this isn't really working. <laughs> One of my things as an employer that I like to ask my employees is, what are their goals in life? What do you want to do? And how can we as a company help you to achieve your goals? So I thought, I'll just ask the robber the same thing. What are your goals in life? And is this putting you on the right path to achieve those goals? So it was just a little different approach to, you know, a bad situation. You want to know what it looks like if you're good? It's not good business. Carl. 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 Going lunch or dinner. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.